You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. I'm excited to introduce Hannah Lehman to you. You may know her. She is a seminarian, a theologian, um, one of our cell leaders, cell leader coordinator, as well as a doula, among many other things. So it's real special to hear from her on this Sunday where we remember Mary. Come on up, Hannah. Grab a card and a writing utensil. Those on Zoom, I do not have cards and writing utensils to send you, but (laughs) you can find your own. (laughs) Um, So some of you know that we had art shop this week, (laughs) so I'm a little bit sleep-deprived and exhausted. Um, and wrote this talk today, so it's possible that some of this will feel a little bit like the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, where you get a lot of things, and you do usually come out with something that is of, me- like, of meaning to you. <laughs> There's something in that movie for everyone. So what I'm asking you to do is to uh, take the card, take the uh, writing utensil, and like write down something that sticks out to you, that feels, whether or not it resonates with you, maybe it's a word, um, It's not supposed to be a homework assignment, so if your card is still blank at the end of this, that's totally fine. It's just meant to be like a brain tool because my brain forgets a lot of things. Um, And this helps me kind of hold on to what is meaningful. Um, Whenever I like listen to a podcast, I have to like write down keywords so that, you know, we can talk about it later and then we can have a meaningful discussion. All right. Um, Remind me, is it right to left on this button thing? Ish? Go back and forth? Okay. Great. All right. So this week, I get to speak on this familiar passage, Mary's song, or the Canticle of the Turning, like we just sung. Um, I'll be using scriptural translations from Dr. Will Gaffney, who is a Hebrew biblical scholar and womanist theologian. Womanist theology centers the experience of black women as the lens through which we interpret and reflect on the text. Taking time to read these stories in this way will help us become more anti-racist in our practice. Uh, Gaffney wrote a book called A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church, and over the season of Advent, she puts Mary's story in concert with other annunciations that came before. So she's not the first one. She has all these other annunciations and songs in her head when she is singing her song, or other people are reading it. So in her translation of the text, the few things that will... Gaffney, or Dr. Gaffney, uh, seeks to do, which could be good practices for us as a church too, would be to expand people groups to make the presence of women and girls explicit in the text. So where maybe the writers have kind of like forgotten or did not, you know, really consider worthy of putting them in the text, try to make it more explicit. Um, Two, use feminine and non-binary pronouns for God. And three, one thing that she does is she maintains the slave language rather than weakening or minimizing it with the word servant. And she's speaking from the perspective of, you know, a black theologian. Um, so she, she gets to make those choices. Um, and she also identifies as a woman. So, all right, you'll see examples of the above in our reading today. All right. My soul magnifies the Holy One and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's own womb slave. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. 
God's loving kindness is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown the strength of God's own arm. God has, God has scattered the arrogant in the intent of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's own child, Israel, a memorial to God's mercy. Just as God said to our mothers and fathers, to Hagar and Sarah and Abraham, to their descendants forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months, and then she returned to her home. And you see that in the rest of the, uh, the Gospels, this song does not exist. And so I think that says a lot about um, the Gospel of Luke. It's one of my favorite Gospels specifically because the author focuses on those experiencing poverty, marginalization, and disenfranchisement. So we'll do a little quick comparison of the Gospels here. Snapshot one, we have the Beatitudes, and that's kind of the blessed are the blah, 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 right? That passage that maybe comes to mind. Um, In Matthew, uh, the author says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But in Luke, it just says, blessed are the poor, period, a big distinction. So that's what you get when you're kind of like reading these passages um, in the different gospels alongside each other. Snapshot two is the birth of Jesus. Um, And after Jesus is born, there's a group of people that the Bible talks about who come and worship Jesus, right? Um, And in, I believe it's Mark, um, Jesus is worshiped by wise men. So they're like people of status, right? Who bring him symbols of wealth. Uh, But in Luke, Jesus is worshipped by shepherds, so basically kind of like blue-collar workers, perhaps. Then we have snapshot three, um, the crucifixion. After Jesus dies, there's a centurion, a soldier. Um, Maybe now we would call this like a cop, perhaps. Um, Says, this man was truly the son of God, and that's in Mark, right? So it's kind of like saying, like, "This this man is God. But in Luke... Luke focuses on how this man was innocent, which really makes the point that Jesus was a brown man unjustly killed by the state. And I'm kind of in this moment actually realizing how radical this text is. Because um, can you kind of imagine a cop or like our law enforcement system readily saying, like, oh, that black man was innocent. We should not have done that. You know, it's kind of like a, it's still very, very rare, right? So you can kind of see this pattern uh, growing. The Gospel of Luke is paying special attention to people's embodied reality, especially that of those who are the most vulnerable within society. All right, we're going back to Mary's song. (laughs) This song is known as the reversal to many, um, where God brings down the rulers and the proud, the white supremacists and the homophobic from their thrones and seats of privilege and lifts up the lowly, the people who are experiencing the most violence from the state. Here, God enters into human history in an intimate way, literally coming to life within the bodies of two women. This is where Mary is moved to the center of the story. And so far, actually, in Luke, the men have been quieted by God. Like, literally, Zechariah cannot speak right now. So it's a very interesting thing. (laughs) But Mary is not alone, even though she is kind of center in this story. She's literally staying with Elizabeth, one of her um, female ancestors, right? She's a cousin, but like much older. Um, And and that's the person who's hearing her song. 
Um, and then there are also these textual ancestors around her, right? So the women who came before her, there are a number of them, but the ones I'll focus on are Hagar and Hannah. So Hagar goes all the way back to Genesis, right? And you'll see echoes of Mary's song even in this song, right? So Hagar was the, uh, I don't know if mistress is the right word, but it was when Abraham and Sarah really wanted, uh, were promised a baby, but like she couldn't get pregnant. Abraham took it into his own hands and slept with Hagar, their slave at the time. Um, And she's running away because Sarah was so abusive to her. Um, And she meets God, or God meets her in the wilderness um, and gives an annunciation. You shall give birth to a son. Um, And she's, I think, one of the first, like, people to, like, name God. And she says, you are Elroy, um, which means the God who sees me. So you can start seeing some of these echoes in in Mary's song. And then we have Hannah, right? Right? Uh, she has this prayer that sounds a lot like Mary's song, right? So this is one of the ones that maybe Mary is thinking of or like she's kind of like riffing on when she sings her song. Um, I kind of highlighted the words that really sound like Mary where you really hear the echo. So the bows of the mighty are broken, yet the feeble gird with warrior strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, yet those who were hungry are fat, God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from heaps of human waste. So some, she has some good ancestors here. Um, in looking at these passages, you can see the echoes of Mary's song. And as I was writing this, it, you know, I, sometimes I don't want to talk about pregnancy as a doula because they're like, ah, oh, you're always talking about birth, right? <laughs> Is she going to talk about placentas again? But uh, pregnancy feels kind of like the right experience to symbolize what's going on here. Um, Not in the way that it's like normally used, like everybody should get pregnant and it's, you know, kind of a very hetero point of view. But it is like the coming together of two timelines, you know, so Mary's song really kind of uh, reaches into the past and is prophesying into the future, right? And it kind of meets right there. And that's kind of similar to like what's in, it, happening in her body as well. It's like when the, you're growing a child inside of you, your timeline is meshing with this new timeline. And so uh, that felt like, uh, I was like, oh, I'm seeing pregnancy in a different way and this metaphor kind of in a different way. And we can kind of see how she's reaching in the past and prophesying into the future when we look at the tense used in the text. I think it's like past perfect, someone who's good at grammar could tell me. Um, But it's a lot of like, God has done X over and over and over and over. So God has shown the strength of God's own arm. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones. God has filled the hungry with good things. God has helped God's own child Israel. And this happens over and over, even though we know these things haven't actually come to pass in her life. And that in saying yes to carrying this baby, she's opening herself up to potential serious violence, as in at that time, it was a crime to be pregnant and not married, and the penalty was stoning. We're also reading this, knowing the grief of what is to come, that this child will actually be killed. So singing the song is a very complicated thing. It's a very complicated theology. And together, these two women, Elizabeth and Mary, are theologizing their embodied experience. They don't have seminary degrees. They didn't go to school. They probably weren't even allowed to go to school, you know, right? 
they're naming who God is, how God works in human history, and what they want. This might actually be one of the first songs of reproductive justice, I think. Um, And for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, reproductive justice is another movement started by a black woman. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Um, And it's not just about birth control or your right to choose whether or not you're going to have a child, although those are important questions. Um, It's about kind of the right to raise your child in an environment and society that is safe for them, where they can thrive. So it really encompasses a lot. And I think Mary is asking for what she needs to raise this child and what her community needs. She's kind of advocating in a lot of ways. She's asking for protection, for food, a reversal of oppressive hierarchy. And for like a woman in that time, a teenager, to like ask for what she needs and advocate in her community in that way, I feel like that's a pretty powerful thing. So these two women of color are witnessing the divine in each other within a violent world. And that is where God resides in this story. They are who God trusts to partner with because they see the world from the bottom from the margins within a patriarchal society that does not consider them worthy of power. I think it's clear in this passage that God has been trusting women since the beginning, not only to carry God, but to shape the nature of redemption in this world. And for Mary, literally to shape and parent Jesus. This is a song that holds political weight in history as well. The Magnificat has been banned three times in the last century during times of oppression, protest, and uprising because it's dangerous to oppressors. Um, It was banned in India during British occupation, Guatemala, and in Argentina when there were protests by mothers of Plaza de Mayo, whose children had been disappeared during war times. Mary and her image have been conveniently instrumentalized, deformed by patriarchy and colonization. How we see Mary shapes how we view all women in society. Problematic view number one is that Mary is seen as kind of like not human because a normal human would be too sinful to carry the Messiah, right? We need virginity, we need purity. And then the message here is that a woman's sexuality and humanity disqualifies her from true leadership and partnership with God. Problematic view number two is that she's like just a container. Gaffney reminds us that traditional readings often reduce women to their biological function within the story. Like they give birth to these sons and then they just kind of disappear, right? Once she births Jesus, she loses relevance. There's no space for her to actually parent Jesus. And which clearly is not the case because we see in what in Jesus's teachings echoes of Mary's song. So clearly she's like singing this song to Jesus when he's, you know, and he's remembering that and teaching what his mother taught him, like even on the Sermon of the Mount we were talking about earlier, like blessed are those who are poor, right? This is Mary's song. (laughs) She parented him, and God trusted her with that. Um, These views seemingly honor Mary, but really they kind of enclose her in a prison. The message is that submission, obedience, and purity are the most important qualities a woman can have. These ideas are super convenient for, like, just being weapons of patriarchy and colonization. And there's kind of an example that I came upon when I was researching of how this works in kind of the real world and not an abstract. Um, I'm Filipino, and in the Philippines, we have kind of a, you know, we have a history with Catholicism. Almost everybody is Catholic. (laughs) Um, And Catholicism was used by the Spaniards to kind of make 
Filipinos docile, to literally kind of imprison a warrior people. Sermons often focus on Mary as a handmaiden, submissive, long-suffering, blessed because of her obedience. And these ideas have actually kind of created a mental prison that some psychologists call colonial mentality. The colonizers do not even need to be physically present for this imprisonment to carry on. It has been internalized. Before the Spaniards arrived, indigenous women and men had equal status. Non-binary and queer people were held as spiritual leaders. And that's not how all of the Philippines is. Actually, there are a lot of indigenous people, especially in the south, in Mindanao, who are still carrying out this more kind of like warrior justice image of Mary. Mary as liberator um, in their battles to protect ancestral lands from corporations. There are a lot of activists in cities trying to stop the extrajudicial killings and fight corruption within the government. So you kind of see these two maybe warring images of Mary. And I think that's why speaking on this today is actually meaningful to liberation because seemingly like chill ideas can have toxic consequences. Putting Mary in a box can put us in a box. These typologies of the Bible influence culture. They limit opportunities. They limit our imaginations for what is possible and for belonging for women, non-binary, and queer people. So I kind of want to give an invitation to have more imagination around Mary. In some ways, as I was going through this, I was like, oh, maybe we are all instrumentalizing Mary, like both sides of the coin here, asking, like, what can we take from her? I even found myself approaching her song wondering what she could give me. I'm like, okay, so what are my takeaways? What are we doing here? Uh, which isn't super respectful of Mary. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of wondering what it looks like to read her responsibly, compassionately, and in her humanity. And I hope we can kind of practice seeing her in her complexity and meeting her on her own terms, even if we're kind of only maybe given this triumphant, snap triumphant snapshot. Like maybe it, this is... This is not her be real, but her Instagram post. It's like a different thing, right? So I think there are a few approaches that could be helpful for our imagination. The first is to see and say what you honestly feel when reading her song. So meet her vulnerability with your own vulnerability, right? So where I felt that today when I was reading was that, you know, the, if I was her, I think that I would need song to give me strength, right, during this kind of uncertain time. You know, she's heading into a potentially violent future, um, and I could kind of imagine her singing this to herself for strength to keep going, which is a very, that's, a, that's just a different, you know, approach, I think, to, to the text. And also for me, it kind of shown a mirror to maybe what I was experiencing, which is that maybe God feels a little bit distant to me right now, and I need these songs of uh, who God is to continue to give me strength to like go on the next day. So what songs do we sing to ourselves to have strength and love to keep going? It's one of the questions that kind of popped into my head as I was reflecting on this. Um, and an example for me is Muna's I Know a Place. So the lyrics are, let's see, I think I have them here. If you want to go out dancing, I know a place. I know a place we can go where everyone's going to lay down their weapons, right? Um, and this was a song that was uh, written right before the nightclub shootings. And we are still seeing nightclub shootings. So 
we are not yet in the place where, you know, queer people can feel safe to go out dancing and experience joy and not fear for their lives. And so this is a song that's calling, like Mary's song, it's kind of calling us into a better way of being, right? The second way to kind of invite more imagination uh, around Mary is to look where Mary's already exist in culture. Um, the one that is present to me in my life right now is a, a comic book character from Marvel <laughs> called America Chavez. Uh, I don't know if any of you have read or you know listened to this uh, this comic, uh, but she is a Latina lesbian superhero, and she is born of like a supernatural birth between two superhero women. <laughs> Um, her superpowers include human stre superhuman strength, durability, speed, and the power of flight. And most importantly, she can open portals uh, across the multiverse by literally, literally breaking the barriers that separate universes. And they could call her like this nexus being. So that means that um, they're like rare entities who have the ability to affect the future. And therefore, they can kind of alter uh, universal time stream, like what's going to happen in the future. And honestly, all of that kind of sounds like a version of Mary. <laughs> you have a supernatural birth um, and, and kind of like this crazy conception. And then you have this person who is able to literally kind of change the course of history through her actions. So that is just kind of a fun way to kind of open your imagination around Mary and who Mary might be. And the last way um, is to really read in community. So ask each other what you see and feel when you listen to this song. And you might read it one day and feel a particular way, and then the next day you might feel a different way. That's how texts work, um, and that's how we build, we build meaning. You probably are familiar with uh, Ben Wildflower, Cast Down the Mighty. I did not wear this shirt today. <laughs> but you can kind of see some of the similarities between these two, these two characters. And that's just like stuff from my inner workings, right? Like everybody has their own uh, communities, their own ideas of you know, who Mary could be when you use your imagination and meet her on her terms. All right. So I have a number of reflection questions, but you may have better ones, so that's totally possible. Um, some of the reflection questions that I had um, as I was going through this were, you know, who are we listening to? Who should we trust? Are there people like Hagar, Hannah, Elizabeth, and Mary who we need to respect and pay attention to if we're truly committed to stepping into the work of God's justice? Um, then also the distinction between the rich and the hungry looks pretty binary from afar. You know, like Elon Musk versus people who are experiencing third world conditions. Um, but in zooming in with our context potentially, I would say that most of us fall somewhere in between. The distinction is non-binary. We occupy both the hungry and the rich in different contexts potentially. So what do you make of this? I don't know how to live through that. Um, and then lastly, what does it look for, like for us to meet Mary and her complexity? Where do you see Mary in our culture? All right. That's what I have for you. And maybe you have some things on your cards. I'm going to go ahead and close us in, in prayer. And then we can have a little bit of time for talking. Because I want to hear what 
you have to say and where this uh, song continues to land with you. And I'll just leave it up on the screen. So God, God with us, thank you for Mary. Would you just keep offering us songs that give us strength to keep going? Would you teach us your ways of justice, even if they look different than what we expect? And would you continue to surprise us with your presence in our world and community and make happen what Mary sings about? Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.